Welcome to another edition of the Super Flight Podcast. Uh, I'm Joe Borelli, your host, and with me today I have a guest in the studio in Brooklyn, uh, Steph Costello. Hi. Hi. Hi, Steph. Say hi. Hi, everybody. Um, so, real quick, I'm going to do the ways you can get in touch. If you want to reach out, you can do that. Why am I looking to see? <laughs> I already know this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, you can follow along at Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. If you follow on iTunes, please leave a review and rate so other people can find us. Um, you can email us at thesuperflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow on Twitter at... Superflight Pod, and I don't know. You could probably send a pigeon my way, and I'll just catch it in a net. <laughs> That'll work. Um, and Steph, my friend, if you want to, uh, so all right, let's let's tell them Steph how we know each other real quick, and, okay. then, I'll, and then I'll tell them how to get in touch with you or, or follow you. Or so Steph and I are were friends from how many years ago? Probably eight or nine years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, maybe not that long. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, probably about 2008, nine actually. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Right before I met my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. And I just moved to New York. Yeah. I was here for like a year, I think. Anyway, that's my whole life right there. Hope you all enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> so, Steph and I know each other from friends. Um, so, I don't ever talk about what I do or my life, but because she's here, I'm going to out myself. Um, Steph is an artist. Tell us where you went to... I'm an artist. I went to Massachusetts College of Art for graduate school, and then we had a bunch of mutual friends who went to Tyler, and you went to Tyler, and yep. eventually worlds collided, and we met and became friends. There you go. So we were hanging out with mutual friends yeah. in Coney Island, I think it was. It's the first time I met Oh, you. yeah, the cyclone. Yeah, the cyclone. One, somebody was scared. Mm, it was me, I think. I th- yeah, somebody <laughs> was screaming Serenity Now the whole way up that thing. <laughs> it was probably me. Yeah, yeah. it probably was you. Yeah. Uh, that's just this is an old wooden roller coaster, man. Coasters. It's the man. best. The cyclone is is one of the best things about New York. One yeah, of, definitely one of the best things about Brooklyn. If you come to Brooklyn and don't ride the cyclone, that's not cool. I just, I, you know what? I, we were just there last weekend, and I went on every ride, but the cyclone. It's just too much. It's that's too weak. much. It'll. <laughs> You're weak, Joe Barelli. I know I'm weak. It'll uh, it'll just shake the hell out of you, man. It just it's too much. It, you will wake up the next morning with whiplash. When I went on that coaster with you, I thought that I broke my neck. I'm not kidding you. Like I got off that coaster. Do you remember this? I got off that coaster. I was like, oh my god. I, I do remember. I, I do remember that. And then I think everyone went to eat funnel cakes, and then I went back on. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. and then woke up the next morning with a really stiff neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was well, good. I went on that other ride though. That like you go straight up in the air and then straight down. That thing oh, is, see, I won't do that. That thing is so much fun. I won't do that. That's so one thing. Fun. I will not do the dropping ones that that i won't do (laughs) it's good stuff anyway so steph is an artist she's also an educator and a bartender by night that's right it's her uh superhero alter ego (laughs) (laughs) um she has a website if you guys want to check it out it's steph costello projects at it's just yeah steph costello projects.com so it's that's it s-t-e-p-h-c-o-s-t-e-l-o-o just like elvis costello that is correct nice yeah look at you um, and you can also follow her on Twitter at Steph Rock One. So it's S T E P H R O K One. Yeah, someone gave me that name a long time ago, and it just that's just it. Really? Who yeah, was it? my friend Anacron. He's a rapper in L A. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Look at you. Yeah. You also have connections. Like you I, know people. I do. Yeah. But that's because that's the life of a bartender. You can't be a bartender and not eventually know 
everybody. That's a good point, especially yeah. in New York. Yeah. Yeah. You become a little bit of like a priest too, like the way priest isn't supposed to tell anybody anything, mm. like confessionals. Oh, yeah. You get a lot of people coming, you get a lot of that. Mm. And it's kind of like a barbershop too, where people, you know, like especially if you work in a neighborhood spot, you get a lot of the neighbors in. And in New York, you get a lot of people in who are high profile people, mm-hmm. you know, various occupations very interesting that's cool that's yeah, cool it's cool sounds like fun it's i know great. you've met a lot of people i know you have a lot of friends and lot some of, of those friends are we will never mention any names but yeah, some won't. of your friends are actually involved in minor ways in the nba or actually in the NBA, minor maybe. and major ways yes yeah. but yeah it just happens and that's partly you know like i said it Another thing about working in a bar is you end up, what can you talk about? You can't really talk about politics. You definitely can't talk about religion. Mm. So everybody ends up talking about sports. And and that's one of the reasons I started to really get back into basketball again is because we'd have it on all the time, be talking about it all the time. And the Nets were moving to Brooklyn. So it just became this thing that everybody kind of like galvanized around and... Yeah, so then I just was, everybody kind of came to me as like, oh, Steph's the one who likes to talk about basketball. And then I became friends with all these Brooklyn basketball players and referees and all kinds of stuff. And and nice. on and on. And on and on. Yes. It's funny because uh, <clears throat> we're going to actually use this hour or however long we go to talk. We're going to do a little bit of a Brooklyn Nets season preview sort of. Because you are a big Nets fan. Yeah, and there's nothing like talking about one of the, the teams who's definitely not bound for the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Sixers fan, remember? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> but what, but I think what is interesting about the Nets is that they're kind of a, uh, you know, a microcosm of changes in the NBA in terms of culture and in terms of um, management and how to develop a team successfully. And currently they're using the Spurs model. So we can talk about that. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll but get there. We're going to do a little a little dive into some uh, how the the NBA and the art world intersect a little oh bit. Oh, my God. And it's Fashion Week. Yeah, and it's Fashion Week. Totally yeah. forgot about that. And I, I should know this because there's been fashion people clogging up the streets near where I work. Or where I work, but mm-hmm. I'll never tell you where that is. I know. Um, but actually... So you're a Brooklyn Nets fan now, but yeah. when I met you, you were a serious Boston fan. Why I is was, that? I was a fan of that particular team. Oh, okay. And I and you know I I grew up a Bulls fan. This is all going to sound so convoluted for me listening and be like, <laughs> who the hell is this bandwagon chick? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely I grew I grew up with you know my dad's from chicago my family's basically from chicago i grew up watching the bulls i was really upset when jordan left and when phil jackson left and then i kind of stopped watching and then i ended up hating chicago and when i left i was just like i have no allegiance to chicago i I changed the area code on my cell phone that was how much i was happy to leave um Wow. Yeah, and actually, I wasn't really much of a Celtics fan when I lived there for graduate school, but I really got into watching them in the playoffs, like um, kind of starting in 2008, but then really hardcore 2010 against the Lakers. I mm. was, and I, I'm a big fan of Rondo. I'm, I, I'm sure everybody thinks that's I'm out of my mind, but I love. Rondo. I think you're out of your mind. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about that. <laughs> I love, um, I love Paul Pierce. I love Kevin Garnett. I like Doc Rivers. I like Ray Allen. I like I, I love the dynamic of and all of them working together, um, all their different personalities. All so, I loved watching that particular team. I yeah, love those players. I still love those players. I'm still a fan of all of those players. Have you ever met any of them? I have. Nice. I mm-hmm. hate you. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I met Kevin Garnett once. He's really, 
a very nice person, actually. Yeah, I've heard nothing. But yeah, really it nice was. Things, I mean, it was just kind of a, in a brief meeting, not like we we're partying or anything. But he's, he's just, such an intimidating person. Though. He's like, very I mean, just tall. Like, yeah. Well, not even that. Like his demeanor. Like anytime you see him on TV or like. You know, he just looks like he's going to bite your damn head off. Well, he does. Yeah. I mean, he also, does have that reputation tall. and he does have a reputation of trash talking uh, pretty oh, much yeah. the, the entire game. Mm. But uh, he was very, a very polite gentleman when I met him. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Well, you are a lady. I, so uh, <laughs> you're such a lady. So <laughs> that's been in question sometimes. <laughs> but um, anyway, but yeah. So uh, so then you, you know, when I met you, you were a Boston fan. Then the Nets moved to Brooklyn, and yeah. you kind of jumped the bandwagon. I jumped it's on fine. that bandwagon. You can own it. Just own it. I worked. I bartended two blocks from the stadium. I was like, I have an NBA team in my backyard. It's I, true. I live in Brooklyn. I'm not leaving. Fuck it. I'm, yeah. I'm jumping on. And it. And let me tell you, it was not easy because I was not excited about those players. Oh. I was not. I none of them have. Uh, really dynamic personalities at the time. Though, I mean, Gerald Wallace was like the one that I was into because he just <laughs> had like he had fire and he had spirit. Yeah. His game was going down, but at least he was out there in playing like he yeah. wanted to be there. Um, so, and you know, especially coming like I had like I loved those Celtics players and they were still playing in Boston. And I was like, Ugh. and we we like the Nets would play the Celtics and I'd be like, I don't I don't feel this feels weird. <laughs> I don't know. I love you, Rondo. So I hate Rondo. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know him personally, but I don't either. But I hate the things he says on like. He does. You know what? Yes, he has said some controversial things. Controversial. That I, I cannot Shut abide up. Like, by. Terrible. Yeah. Like, really awful, bad. Awful human right. being. Sorry. I you are right. I can't get into Rondo. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I I appreciate Rondo very much in the era of the Celtics when he All and, right, and fine. he's still triple double king. His intelligence. He's no, known he's a, as one of the smartest. Compiler. Compiler. One of the smartest players in the NBA. Definitely. He's that is so not... smart that he can't keep himself from saying really shitty well, things. Well, that's right, emotional Listen, this is neither here nor there. <laughs> that's mo- yeah, we don't need to talk about him all day long. Yeah, let's not. So let's talk about let's talk about your field. Let's talk about art. Okay. So you make some really great artwork. I own thanks. some of your artwork, and I thanks for selling it to me. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and you've done some artwork for some NBA players. I have. Yeah, like murals. You did a yeah. mural... Where did you do your latest mural at? I, saw I did. It. I just did one at um, a place called Froyland Cafe and Lounge. It's in Bushwick. It's by a uh, longtime Bushwick resident. He was opening up a spot, so I painted a thirty-foot mural in the backyard, uh, Puerto Rican inspired, because nice. that's where he's from. And then I did the signage out front. So if anybody's going down uh, Wilson in Bushwick, you can see that. Nice. Right. I'll go down Wilson. You should. Wilson, Wilson and Cooper's. You know. I used to ride by there every day on my bike on my yeah. way to work. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's cool. So like, um, so art and then sports and art how and sports. these things don't mix, right? <laughs> did they mix, Joe? Did they mix for you in high school? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I was a big football guy, so I only got back. I only got really into basketball like in two thousand one when the Sixers went to the the championship okay, around that right. era. Yeah. I mean, I was always like, you know, when I was a kid when when Doctor J was still on the Sixers, so I it was always in the periphery, and then Barkley came up and like. You know, obviously, I'm in my 40s. So there you go. Yeah. So I'm just outing you, everything but, about myself today. But You know, but a lot of artists have this thing, like, especially, you know, high school, I think, is kind of the time you get divided into, like, who you are and your personality. And you align yourself with certain camps. Like, you're either an artist or you're, or you're a, jock. a jock. And maybe that's right. just, like, 80s era movies. I don't know. And, uh, you know. I think it still happens. Do you remember in grad school? Like, was it the same way? Because it totally was for me. Um... I don't know because I went to Mass Art, which was a, a 
I don't think very pretentious art school at all. And I think in, in although, you know, I did take classes at the Art Institute the final year of, of the champion, the Chicago Bulls championship, 97, 98 <laughs> season. OK. And I remember I had on a Bulls T-shirt. Right. And I was going to this printmaking class. And the only other person in there who was like high fiving me over my Jordan shirt was the instructor. And she was like, I know, honey. Nobody, <laughs> she's like, nobody here likes sports. It's weird. I know. Yeah, it's 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 a weird thing. You have to either be one or the other. I think there's a huge uh, intersection of of sport and art and culture like that happens. I don't and like I think they influence each other a lot. Right. They do. But and and so, I think but I think it's specifically basketball. You think it's I think basketball more only? Basketball, well, not only, but more than anything. And, you know, I grew up... I would say soccer. I think there's a lot of artists in the soccer for some reason. Oh, but, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right about that. Yeah. But, but anyway. I think in terms of the larger culture, and I think in terms of the way, uh, culture, like popular culture, I would say in the U.S., popular culture, I think, say, you know, especially visually, especially through music, it's all basketball. So let's talk about why, well, why do you think that is? Why is it basketball specifically? What is it about <laughs> basketball and art that that coincides it fits so well together partly because i mean basketball itself is an art form it i really think can is, we right? can we agree on that yeah totally it's 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 kind of a beautiful thing to watch like i was thinking about we talked about dave hickey's essay yeah yeah uh, the art or the uh, the heresy of zone defense anyways if you guys have never heard or thought about basketball as like art philosophy or something Check that essay out. It's really good. You can find it online everywhere. Yeah, it's in his book, Air Guitar. Yeah. And it's it's an essay from like 20 years ago, but it's totally applicable right now. to right now. Yeah, yeah. it's so good. Um, and I remember also, you know, right, uh, there was an article in the New York Times. Um, some, I think a choreographer from the San Francisco Ballet waxed poetically about Steph Curry's game and had like modeled dance on Steph Curry's game. Hmm. So I think there's, uh, um, I mean, I think there's a... There's something rhythmic and fluid and elegant and beautiful and improvised about that exists in basketball that does not exist in our most popular sport, which is which football, is football right. which is very militaristic, very strategic. Right. And that was something, you know, I grew up watching a lot of football because I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, football mm-hmm. capital of the world, I know. But <laughs> and I just I think at some point I saw it as too violent. I couldn't. It's totally too violent. And That's what's pushing me away from it right now is the concussions and the, the lies about what's happening. I'm sorry. Let's not even get into that. But yeah. yeah. Well, but basketball, also, yeah, it's totally. Yeah, and it stays fluid. It doesn't stop. You know, ba- you know, they if football is like, what, three hours for 30 minutes of action. Mm-hmm. And basketball, basketball is like non-stop. action the whole time. Yeah. And it's not so um, planned. It's not. Stro- it, it's like it doesn't exist like a war. Right. In a way. So actually, that, that reminds me of, of the essay that, you know, Dave, Dave Hickey, even in it, he mentions that in football, we love it because it reminds us it is about taking land from each other. And it's about two nations colliding and sort of a war type thing. And in basketball, it really is just like art. It's like movement. It's sort of like jazz. Somebody else is. Wasn't it? Yeah. Phil yeah, Jackson. Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson writes about that, I think, in Eleven Rings. Which I've never read. but It's awesome. He's yeah. my guru. We'll get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really read sports books. I don't know why. I barely read like books for entertainment. I, well, I listen to them on audiobooks while I'm drawing. Ah, so I've oh, listened to go. a lot of ones. Yeah, I can give yeah. you recommendations later. But yeah, Phil, Phil Jackson said the same thing. And he kind of talked about how, you know, when his best Bulls team, and I don't know if it was the 96 Bulls, I think he was talking about how they had this particular 
style of play that was almost like jazz, the way they moved together so easily and the way they played off of each other, Mm -hmm. which is another interesting thing that happens in basketball is you're, you know, not just one-on-one play, but then team play, how you're constantly, you know, getting to know each other and, and learning how to riff off of each other the same way a musician might. Right. Um, I think some of that exists in probably every sport, but yeah, I think in basketball, it's very, excuse me, I think it's very obvious. Yeah. In part because it's quicker too. It's constant movement. You're not allowed to carry the ball where you are in football. You have to be moving. You have to like, someone can take the ball from you at any time. Right. You you always have to be moving. So it's, there's a lot of quickness. There's a lot of movement. And the best teams are obviously really good at passing and sharing the ball and orchestrating and having each other, you know, assist on every play. Right. And I don't know where I was going with that, but (laughs) it's, yeah, we just have to, we could just talk forever about how beautiful it is. It is a beautiful game. It is. And you know, but I think another thing, um, you know, for artists and especially, I know for both of us, we, we are artists. I think I, we've talked about this before that I don't want to say reject the, the art world status quo, but there's a lot of uncomfortable aspects of the art world. It, you know, or talked about in this Dave Hickey essay mm-hmm. too, where things get to be there's too there's become too many rules right. in art that come out of these academic programs, and you know art can be very self conscious, especially if you have an MFA and you're coming through that. And I think it's really refreshing as artists to like wa- just watch basketball, and you kind of yeah. you feel free even I watching it. There's, for me, there's something about it too that it's like. In the art world, I feel very cut off from other people. I feel very solitary and alone most of the time. You know, yeah. you know the the art the the idea of the artist as like an individual and like a you know whatever. You're always alone. You're always in your studio and blah 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 blah. I, and I think just something within me wants to watch a sport to feel like I'm part of something bigger to begin with. You know what I mean? Oh, like, totally. I, this is just an aside. I don't even know why I brought that up, but <laughs> no, but that's well. I think that's a very important point, and I think that I mean that's probably why a lot of people, in general, watch sports. watch sport, right? Because yeah. it, you because you are part of something bigger, you, right. Or at least you can attach your the sense of self to something that's bigger, to community, to like without ever having to leave your you know your seat and go outside right. and talk to people. You know that you're rooting, and so when you see somebody else that's rooting for the same team, like and you have these signifiers like cat and shirts and yeah. like you instantly have something in common it sport is a huge way to unite the world whereas art i feel like a lot of times divides us and he talks dave hickey talks in this in this it, art doesn't divide us sorry it's, it's also meant to bring us together but as the artist yeah. i feel very divided from everything that's happening um i do too and also if you know for us as visual artists i can put my work out there in the world right so say the gallery that sells my drawing they have sold work to people I don't know that I will never meet. Yep. I have no idea what those people think of my work, what they love about it. It's just out there and now it's gone and they have it yeah. and there's no connection. Right. It's not a one-to-one relationship. Right. The, the ratio is very skewed and not in your favor. Right. Um, but he, you know, I'll say this just a little bit more about the the essay is that like, he, I love the fact that he bring he starts off the whole thing with the, uh, the Sixers and the Lakers oh, in the yeah. 80s finals. And he talks about Dr. J's behind is that your man. That's well, you know, Iverson, but I'll talk about okay. Iverson in a bit. Just gotta, anyway, um, we wanted to talk about a little bit how it intersects though. So we're just talking about like how it's different and like why we were, we were, I don't know if I was ostracized, but people definitely in my life through the hit, through the years have been like, Oh, you like sports. It's, 
it's so lowbrow. You know? Well, and there's a huge commercial aspect to it, too. Yeah. And people relate it so much to corporate identities and, you know, corporate sponsorships and and all of the money involved in it. And and actually, for By me... By the way, if you think that there's no money in the art world, you're freaking fooling yourself. Oh, my God. You are crazy. Yeah. The reason the art world is constantly under under the uh, the watchful eye of the government is because there is so much money controlled by so few people for like such little stuff. You know, it's anyway. Right. Let's let's move on. I'm going to yeah. get myself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in everything. There, there. I just find it ridiculous that people try to find some type of purity. Yeah. In the art world, as if you know, there's you know something would not be corporate. That's it's everywhere. It's in yeah. every aspect of culture. And this is going to be strictly philosophical, but there is no purity anywhere. No. <laughs> it does not exist. Uh, we're all dirty. You are all dirty. Yep. Um, but you were talking about fashion, and we were talking about music. Like part of the part of the intersection happens, I think, a lot in music and and NBA specifically. There are like even Damien Lillard is a rapper and actually a really good one. Have you ever heard? Uh, yeah, stuff? he's pretty good. He's he's pretty good. He's pretty, and he actually talks about things. Yeah, <laughs> which is lacking in the hip hop yeah, community just, these uh, days. Shouting out luxury yeah. items. I got money, bitches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I've listened to a few of his things and like he's really he's pretty good. He's pretty good. I mean, he's not like you know he's not like Biggie, but he, he's like, good. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's a pretty safe statement, Joe. <laughs> Thanks. I'm a genius. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we were saying this is Fashion Week, too. And I think, and talking about hip-hop, and obviously Allen Iverson just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And he was really one of the largest figures, as you could, you, he's like the figure you can point to and say, that was a basketball player that identified hip-hop culture in basketball. Absolutely. He, uh, and you know, in his his... His influence went beyond the basketball court too. Like he was that influential. His style, oh yeah, changed a, a lot. Like I don't know if it changed anything. Maybe, but he was so influential. Like he didn't give a shit. Sorry. Uh, by the way, congratulations, Allen Iverson. One of my favorite sports figures of all time. He was so problematic when he was in Philadelphia, but he never ever questioned his heart. And did I you cry him. during a speech? No, I saw it after the fact. Okay. I just got to watch it yesterday. Finally, you saw it, yeah? Right? I did. Did you cry? No. Yeah. But I, I but I was. I thought it was really endearing that yeah. he was so choked up for at least half of it. And that's him. That's him in a nutshell. That's why yeah. we loved him, and that's also why people like didn't like him. But he, like he always wears his heart on his sleeve, even to his detriment. You know. Yeah. But it made him such a great player. So good, so so good. He he, he never backed down. I like the, the. Did you see this Shaq speech too? I did not watch the Shaq speech, but I do like Shaq. Shaq's really good, and he's his 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 speech was like on point. He was totally. It was scripted. I don't know if he wrote it himself. He he may have been able to. I don't know, but it was written. He did the whole thing, and like it was really good. But he gave a little story about Iverson and how like. You know, the one the first time he played Iverson, Iverson was coming into the lane, lane and then Shaq was just like putting him on his ass. And he just kept coming back. He's like, I had a decision to make. He's like, either either I kept touching him up and I'm going to sit on the bench or I let him go. And he's like, I had to let him go. He's like, congratulations, AI. <laughs> so that was dope. That's what his, that's what Allen Iverson was. Yeah. He was not only a cultural icon, which he knew and does know, but he was also like just I mean, I think he wouldn't even have had that impact on culture without the heart he played with. Yeah, and the tenacity. The tenacity, yeah. He was just he's just an incredible 
player, I guess. Yeah. Incredible person, too, sort of. Like, I don't know really. I mean, I guess I know a lot about his life, but I probably shouldn't comment on any of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know too, I don't know too much. Sorry, I feel like I'm dominating the conversation. No, what Please are you, talk. no, not at all. I mean, um, one of the things that I also respected is he stood up when David Stern imposed the, you know, the fashion restrictions in 2005, when he imposed this dress code on the NBA, he was, you know, Iverson stood up and said, this is racist. And you're basically linking, he said, you know, I think his quote was something like, just because, you know, you know, he's like, you can be a murderer and dress in a suit and tie. Yeah. Basically, a yeah. suit and tie doesn't not make you a murderer. The same way you can dress in a hip hop style and not be a criminal. Right. And he was really defending it and, and saying it was um, a racist practice. Um, I've kind of always felt that a little bit. But also, I do like to see the guys dressed in suits. I love I love the good style. You and uh, Clyde Frazier. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> he he was he also advocated for it. He you know his argument was if you are getting paid like a millionaire, you, you need to dress be. like a millionaire. Yeah. Um. But this is you know again this is you know where the culture aspect of this is where the you know how basketball has been able to influence fashion so much was actually totally tied into that decision too i mean it certainly has the legacy of coming out you know there's the fab five first they start dressing in loose clothing and black socks and then then comes iverson but then these fashion restrictions which were imposed after the malice the whole malice in the palace mm-hmm. 2004 if anybody doesn't know about it you just have to look it up and you watch it don't you, watch you don't watch basketball <laughs> um but you know david stern wanted to have an you know he's like okay the nba need we need to you know polish our brand and our image so let's impose this dress code and what was interesting was how players kind of took it and they're like you know what well let's take these rules and we'll find ways to bend them to our style mm-hmm. and so LeBron James, one of the first people to have a personal stylist and was also the first person on the in on the cover, the first, I believe the first black man on the cover of Vogue in really? 2008 in a controversial cover um, with Giselle. Yeah, um, I'm, that's so. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, check it out. But um, once that once people kind of like he started bringing in his stylist, these stylists started working for everybody. So all the players have stylists now. And yeah. basically um you know the the tunnel after the games during the playoffs is now a fashion runway as well how so tell me explain that they to me. have like, they have fashion photographers now come with lights they in the have, tunnel in at, the tunnel they've, they've at the playoff games at the playoff games at every arena steph curry has a quote saying he basically you know a couple a couple days before the game he'll be like stressing out about what to wear really oh yeah. you're talking about when they're leading into the locker room when they're, when they're going coming from their in. cars to, yeah, the, to the to the locker room oh yeah, yeah. when you see him get off the bus it and is like a fashion all, show it is a fat it totally is everybody's it's a like every what time. is Russell westbrook gonna wear yeah yeah it's true i didn't even think i mean you think about it now because you're you're inundated with it you see it all every time there's a playoff series like oh that guy was dressed really well you know westbrook of course is like yeah Every, all eyes on Westbrook. <laughs> well, and I think um, he has a deal with Barney's for Does like he? a three season deal with Barney's to do like sixty two items for them. Shit. And you know Steph Curry's a model for Express. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much tied in. I mean, I I personally love it. I think it's great. I do too. I don't know because you know where do you think I get my fashion tips from? The NBA. That's right. Absolutely. Listen, <laughs> do do you have a favorite dresser in the NBA? Uh, Anybody's personal style you admire? So, like, obviously I was, you know, you can point to Westbrook. Westbrook's a little bit too hipster for me. I'm not really... He goes a little crazy. He but goes I a think, little crazy. I, think he, I, I admire the, the courage it takes to put on some of those outfits. 
He's but, like an avant-garde artist, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> He's pushing the envelope every week. He's Duchamp. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to wear a kilt. <laughs> yeah. And silver. <laughs> that would be cool. Now, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of who dresses really well. I, I know somebody stood out to me. I, you know, Stoudemire. Stoudemire is barely even in the NBA, though. You can't really point to him. Yeah, come on. <laughs> but he was a about stalwart of it. Yeah, it's true. true. And I know, I Isn't know he Col- a painter as well? Yeah, I guess he had, I, someone said he had a painting show at some point, maybe two years ago. One of my friends was telling me that, that he'd gone to his opening or something and Mello was there. And That's he, pretty and amazing. I do, one thing that is really cool about Amari and actually a lot of other NBA players, I'm going to say a lot, but uh, several of them um, are have become avid art collectors. And well, Stoudemire is an avid art collector and promoter of a lot of, of artists yeah he's, that's he's, awesome i he's i really supporter i really like it when like uh popular or famous people or people with money support like up-and-coming artists or artists who haven't been in the spot like like it's easy to buy like uh, a jeff coons or well, i guess it's not easy if you have money right but to buy from like someone like you or me that that's really admirable because then you i feel like they're not in it for the commodities aspect that art has become they're right. into it for the actual artwork you know yeah uh so that feels way better to me and i feel like that's the kind of collector he is yeah definitely that's that was my point there you go yeah amari <laughs> playing amari. in israel now who's who oh yeah he is playing in israel isn't he yeah so who's your who's the dresser who's the oh, you know the and, best dressed nba player well, right I, now i don't know about best dressed but okay and this might be generic but i i like kobe's style yeah. He's like the type of person who can, he'll wear like a printed shirt under a blazer and always looks so comfortable. I think that's the thing is he never looks like someone else is dressing him. He oh, looks fair. like he's dressing himself and he looks good. Every, of course, everything's tailored. That's the sign of a good stylist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe he does have a good Well, and we, yeah. Um, but uh, I would say another person who, you know, I don't know if I like all of his choices and a lot of people yeah, Nick Young. Okay, like oh. Nick. Yeah, I, <laughs> swaggy I had to Pete? put it out there to let you swaggy say Swaggy Pete. Pete. Uh, yeah, he is I a good know, dresser, but fine. no, and this is why because again, it's his style. He's comfortable in it. Yeah, that's you true. never see him in a photo, and he might look he's crazy got... wearing long shorts. But though you're like, he's he wanted to wear long shorts. He's yeah. got swag he's in got his swag. weird swaggy P way. I was gonna say LeBron. LeBron just jumps to mind right away. That was a really loud ding. Sorry. Okay. Um. And, but, you know, because LeBron's in the spotlight, I'm trying to think of guys. He's that, so like, preppy, though, too, though. But that yeah. could be. I mean, I mean it's fine. It's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's an aesthetic. It is. Well, the other thing about both LeBron and Melo, too, and this is to get into physique, is they don't quite, you know, fashion models tend to be, like, long and lean. Yeah. Um, And they're a little bit more bulky, so. For me, Melo always dressed like he's he's coming off the set of Miami Vice in 1985. <laughs> oh, well, I don't I don't know about Melo, but Dwayne Wade for sure. Oh, uh, yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. With the short no, pants. No, Wade. I kind of like Wade. pink. Yeah, Wade was doing the really risky dress before before Westbrook was. Like, he came out with the, the Capri pants, man. Yeah, I don't, I'm not into the Capri. Not into them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the low crotch. I hate the low crotch. I can't take it. Yeah, low crotch. Not into it. Um, But anyway, so NBA, sports, you know, music. Fashion, 
Yeah, what we else? don't even need to talk about right. music. I think anybody listening would art could list more references than we possibly yeah, could. Yeah, I can't. I can't do the music. Thing. I mean, I'm I make music. I just can't talk about it. <laughs> I can't talk about it. I can't. I just think it's so it it's so obvious. You know, Jay Z and Drake. Yeah. Like, what else? You know. Uh, I know it's too, it's way too easy, way too accessible. I mean, I'm sure everybody in every sport listens to music. Uh, it's just. But the tie-ins to basketball are just so clear. But if we do that, we have to get into the whole like urban culture sort of like plucking kids from the from the schoolyards and like giving selling them this dream that they're going to make money and like you know this yeah that documentary was the documentary um that we talked about that i told you to watch yeah that that i still haven't watched oh my god it's like dreams hoop dreams like it's the most famous documentary about basketball dreams is amazing yeah Yeah, i'm not i'll watch it one day anyway but that's the you know that whole time we don't need to go in there Let's, nah. let's not do it but let, i do want to ask you about you going to rio oh my god you went to the rio <laughs> rio That's olympics awesome. although you didn't watch any basketball while you were there i didn't watch any basketball but I, I mean and this is partly listen if somebody had tickets available then i would definitely have gone to watch basketball but i didn't know i was going until three months before and i think those basketball tickets were sold out so oh, long yeah, ago yeah. and if they were not i could definitely could not afford them and i'm like why would i spend any money when I can see the best basketball in the world, oftentimes for free right yeah, here yeah, yeah. In, in New York. Oh, so. by the way, next time you have connections for a free game, call me. I will. Yeah, I will. you should. I will. Because you've been to, what, 60 Brooklyn Nets games now? I have. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Less, though. Less and less as, as time goes on. But that's... But yeah, anyway, I, I went to I went to Rio and I did not see any Team USA. I did not see Team USA out on the streets. Um... I heard they were out. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't see them. They were going into brothels and shit. And like. Allegedly, but those stories. <laughs> allegedly. No, it's true. There's they no... didn't know it was a brothel. Yeah, that's that's the alleged part. <laughs> no, but everybody goes, listen, They all, people go to strip clubs. People go to bars. Like, it's just a fact. Yeah. The, no, if I they know. didn't know it's a brothel, they really didn't know. They probably had the wrong handlers and the wrong promoters. I don't see it as like, oh, you know so-and-so wanted to go have sex with a prostitute like i really i didn't say that i'm just saying that yeah, like yeah but that's the way it came off in the you know, press not just, by you but you I, just really like people and you you feel like the best of them I, is always going to shine don't no, you No, because i'm a bartender <laughs> actually and that's the thing is i think a lot of times people say you know they, they have this idea that uh, you know the guy who dresses in the suit is always a good guy the guy who does not is the bad guy mm-hmm. whatever same, Same thing, thing with and, the you re- and you realize it's actually the opposite most of the time. Yeah. That, you know, the quote unquote bad boy is usually minding his business and being cool. All right. Yeah. You know, and I think that just go, but I think that about everything in life, I think in general, you know, so that's why I'm willing to give NBA uh, players a little bit of leeway. All right. Fine. Fine. Not that they don't go out and party harder than anybody else, but. Did you pay attention to any of the games while you were in Rio? I did not pay any attention to any of the basketball games either. And I could tell who was playing based on where I was staying. I could definitely tell when Brazil was playing and if they were winning <laughs> just by, sure. you know, the the bar across the street from where I was staying. But Well, don't feel bad because I didn't pay attention but, to any of it. No, you didn't. And here's, let me, you know, you had mentioned on your last podcast about the 100 meter. I think we wanted to oh, talk about Oh, let's clear that up because I'm a dummy. wanted to clarify yeah. and I was listening to this and going... 9.0, no, for, for everybody, the record in the 100 meter is 9.59. Which is insanely fast. It is by Usain Bolt, who I got to watch twice. That's awesome. And it was amazing. That it was really awesome. cool. And Well, tell the coolest part. that. Oh, uh, well, I was supposed, my friend was supposed to run, that was why I went. So my friend um, was supposed to run the 100 meter and fortunately pulled his hamstring the week before. And this is a, a very unassuming friend who, when we met, um, through 
a situation, had no idea. Me and everyone else had no idea he had yeah. was actually an Olympian. Well, can like, we oh, say yeah. that the situation is that you work um, with him? <laughs> is that okay? Yeah, okay, okay. whatever. But we let's not go <laughs> yeah, too much further than that. Um, and, you know, it's just his business. He, he might not want other people to know. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's true. Whatever. So, yeah, but unfortunately he didn't run, but that's how he got down there. But what's really cool to know an Olympian is that they give you so much insight into what, what happens. And I, prior to that, I was just, I was really dumb too. Like, oh, you just have to be able to run really fast. Like your body's just, you know, whoever runs the hundred meters, just a freak of nature, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, while it is, you know, you do have to, I don't know, whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but, um, I, there's so much work that goes into it. It's basically trying to turn your body into a machine for 10 seconds. Yeah. 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 And like, I, do you, Joe, did you know they hold their breath for the first 30 meters of the race? How would I know that? <laughs> that you're, not a, you're not friends with an Olympian. Exactly. Yeah, so, you're so, the only lucky one here. No, listen, when they when they say set, and you'll hear it, uh, you might not hear it but um, on TV, but when you when they say set, everybody goes, you hear them all suck in. They're all sucking in, and oh, as yeah. soon as the gun pops, 30 meters in, then they exhale. That's so weird. Why? What is the advantage of doing that, I wonder? It's And it goes with, there's the three different segments of the race. And the I think the middle portion is acceleration, where then you then you inhale for the next 30 to 40 meters, you're, you're inhaling. Which, by the way, listen, 30 meters sounds like a lot, but they run it in three, three point something seconds. That's so true. That's it's good. not really <laughs> that's, that's like you're swimming point. underwater. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, then they inhale, then then they hold their breath again for the last. All right. Power. But it. anyway, very interesting dynamics to, cool. to running all of that. Um, but you know what, though? Even sorry, not to not to cut you off. No. This is all very fascinating. And I want to learn how to hold my breath while I run. No, I don't. Um, but even though ne- neither of us watched any of the NBA basketball you did notice that Mello was down there doing a lot of community work, right? I well, yeah, I knew that, and that was partly because I—I I mean, I—I I was still connected to social media, so um, certainly I was paying attention to certain stories, like the Lochte story. Oh, oh God. God, I know, and that—that <laughs> well, that was irritating too because um, everybody was so worried, like, "Oh, Rio's gonna this crazy." You know, it's a it's a Zika cesspool. Zika cesspool, and you're gonna get robbed and murdered, and it's people like people get robbed and murdered. I think, but I no, think that I was like it, uh, okay, murdered, maybe no. not around the listen. Uh, people listen, probably people got get ro- murdered everywhere. People got, all the I'm time. sure people got robbed on this somewhere on this block in the same period of time. Oh yeah, I'm so sure. So it's you know every, everywhere is dangerous. But this block is not making national media. I'm just saying. And this is true. Um, so a no no reported cases of Zika That's in good. Rio during during the Olympic period. Um, B, just be smart with your things. Don't leave your cell phone out on a table and walk away from it. It's going to get stolen. That's a good point. You know, don't go into a favela if you don't know where you're going and don't know who you're going with. You know, you just have to know. It's like anywhere you travel in the world. You are just talking common sense. I don't want to hear any more okay, of that Okay, but Mello, yes. Th- that was, <laughs> but I thought that was re- one of the things that was cool. While, while you have this like m- mainstream story of Lochte, you know, being a jackass and, you know, exploiting what people were already scared of and then you know contrary to that you have mellow being like hey everybody look at me i'm in a favela where i'm very comfortable hanging out sitting on this plastic chair mm-hmm. now i'm gonna play some basketball with kids and they're I not dribbling and it's so cute <laughs> <laughs> i saw some of those videos you know i was said like i did a podcast by myself last week because mike's not been around but 
Um, and I was talking about how Mello has been a, an advocate for anti-gun violence and, you know, um, what, what else would, would we say about that? Anti-violence. He's been an advocate for what? Uh, well, for Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. And for and, basically coming out and saying, you know, NBA players and athletes in general have to do more than put out a tweet. Yeah. And that it's time to take action. So I think, you know, seeing him do these things is actually him demonstrating how I mean, to do things. I think that like most athletes would have gone and played with kids anyways, but it's still, I like that he's getting in the limelight and in the spotlight rather a little bit more with a positive. Yeah. But you yeah. know what? I don't know if most athletes would have gone and done that. I think that was something he probably wanted to do. And I don't think he generally just did it as a PR stint. And even if he did, I don't mind because it's an, you know, it opposes what Lochte did. And I think it's like, yeah, good, sure. fair, like this is how to be a role model, not just as an athlete, but as an American abroad. And, and I so think, I was all about it. I totally agree with you. I think he's kind of, as he's aging in the, in the NBA, I think he's taking on more of that mentorship. I mean, it's like pretty obvious and pretty well known that he's taking more of that mentorship role on and more of a, you know, um, a positive, uh, what's the word? Um, advocacy there you go whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> my words are failing me yeah. right now but I think it, it and, and another thing you know uh, another reason I appreciate the NBA in general is I think they do more than other sports leagues do do things to advocate for social causes and put themselves out there and make it part of their platform yeah I appreciate that I appreciate it too you think he's gonna have a good season um I do think he's gonna have a good season I have to tell you I don't um being a Nets fan, mm-hmm. I was not a fan of any of the Knicks players, but now I, I'm i willing to watch. That's, you know, that's kind of what I was talking about last week when I did this thing. And I'm like, I wasn't a big, I, w- I hated Melo when he was in Denver. I just, I didn't hate him personally. Like, I don't hate yeah. any of them personally, except for maybe Rondo, because he's really himself <laughs> to be a horrible person. But um, maybe Derek Rose, too, because he's got that whole rape thing going on. It's just, that's, it's gross. I don't know enough details about that. I don't even want to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, um, but like his advocacy and his like being in, in in the spotlight for positive issues is is has really turned me around. He's talking more about like learning to share the ball more and blah yeah. blah, blah 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 and bringing younger players along. I think I mean like I'm really turning a corner with him. I'm starting to actually appreciate his game and what a really good player he is. I I think he's gonna have a good year. Yeah, and you know I I like you. I kind of bought into the narrative too that he was because he wasn't a great defender. And I think he seemed to like because he took so many shots that he was like a selfish ball player. And and maybe in many instances he was. But now I think when you see it's it's that idea of like how you do something is how you do everything. So when someone's doing something off the court that is, you know, very unselfish, you then apply that to how they must be playing the game, whether it's true or not. There's got to be a part of it that is true, whether it's in the locker room or somewhere you start to see him. Well, that guy's probably a team player. Yeah. 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 It all matters. It I does. mean, it really does. Like the the persona that you put out there in your personal life is going to carry over onto the court and vice versa. You know? Right. It's why people, not to get back to Iverson, but like that's why we loved him because he put his heart on the court and like he lived that way too. It also got him in trouble, but whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just uh, forgot what I was going to say about Melo, but sure. Good for Melo. Good for Melo. Good for Melo. We're fans now. Let's let's talk about the Nets since okay. we're talking about New okay. York and we're in New York. Let's, yes. Let's talk about the Nets upcoming season. The, the team that I'm sure n- any, nobody else wants to talk about unless you are a yeah, Nets fan. Yeah, well. But 
Um, I'm actually not, but I'm willing to talk about this. I know. (laughs) You know, we don't. And and even me too, I can't say I'm, you know, two years ago when they, was it two? No, three years ago when they brought in um, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, obviously, Mm -hmm. as I had watched them. When I watched them on the Celtics, I was very excited about that. Right. And so now it is kind of hard to be like, as a fan, what do I have to be excited about? But what I have to be excited about is the change in the culture that they've that i i'm hyped about the new gm um hyped about the new coach and i really like the young players um and that's something i know that's that's been out in the press lately too is just that the um the players have started to say how um and lopez and the and the younger players have said how everybody's excited to go to practice now and that they go to practice and they really work hard and everybody really wants to be there so there's a total total shift in tone uh versus you know the apathy that was very much attributed um and to you know darren williams every you know i think everyone saw him fans everybody saw him like as this really apathetic figure who was just like bummed that he had to play basketball in new york and you're like are you kidding me you're playing basketball in new york what's wrong with you Never one of my favorite players. Never really liked him as a player. I don't know him. But again, I feel like the same thing with Darren Williams as we were just talking about with Melo. Like if you, the way he plays on the court, I felt like he's like exactly how he is in real life. You know what I mean? He's just like. Well, body language says a lot. Says a lot. Yeah. You know, although, you know, to hit, to, um, I think Darren Williams has also done a lot of stuff for charity. No, he has. has. I mean, yeah. But. I'm not it's, saying he's a horrible person. No, I'm just he's like, more I don't, of a I don't, private person, yeah. more of a family person. In basketball, you kind of get the idea that basketball is not the most important thing in his life that's at fine. all. Stop playing basketball, you <laughs> <do it. laughs> well, yeah, Stop exactly. rolling a game for me, you take, asshole. Take $20 yeah. million dollars yeah. from somebody else. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Actually, you know, I felt I felt differently about Like, I know you were excited to get your Boston guys here in Brooklyn when yeah. they came. I, I felt... I hated that trade. I was like, all those trades. Well, I was it's like, not you? working out for them so well now. Well, first... Right, exactly. Well, first... As soon as they hired Billy King as their GM, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be a bad <laughs> idea. Uh, he traded Iverson away. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I won't co-sign Billy King because I am not. I'm very happy they let him go. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean he, you know, people have also defended him saying that, like, he just did what Prokhorov wanted. OK, fine. Whatever. But still. He he's never proved himself to be a good GM no, any, exactly. anywhere along the way. He could have put much better teams around Iverson, and they maybe would have been able to win a championship at some point. Never did that, right? And well, I think part but part of being a GM is you have to be able to assert yourself and and have a plan of how you are going to develop things, and you really have to develop thing. You have to develop a culture, and I think well, that's you know. That's what the Nets, I think, are trying to do right now is they're saying, you know, you can't he saw let's bring in KG and Pierce to change the culture on the floor. And, yeah, they did change the locker room. But you can't when guys are there for one year. Yeah, that doesn't change anything. And you need continuity. You can only have continuity through the organization. Well, you cannot depend on players for continuity. Totally. I'll say this. I so far like really like the job that Sean Marks is doing. But also, we, you have no choice but to start over. They have no option but to do this. So, but he's making moves. That, he's making some nice moves. Well, even he, he's known as a very likable guy mm-hmm. in NBA and in NBA NBA circles. People really like working with him. They really respect him. And here's one thing I noticed. So right away, he waves Joe Johnson, yeah. right? Because he meets with the players. You know, you meet with players. You talk to them about what you want. He meets with Joe Johnson. It's very clear he does not want to be in Brooklyn. So what does he do? I'm going to wave you. You don't want to be here? It's cool. I, res- I respect you as a player, and I want you to be happy. Right. Now, here's the thing. 
all these guys hang out with each other in the off season. They might not be on the same team, but if they if you played with them last year, you're on your phone going back and forth. You're still talking to them, you're right? Like, what's up? What's Word going on? Word gets around very oh, yeah. quickly, and if you are playing for a team you like, or if you're like, oh hey, that Marks guy is cool. He he let me go. That's pretty cool. You might have that same person you're talking to. Maybe he's trying to be recruited down the road, and I'd be like, oh well. That's a good guy. That's a good place to go. Like all of those things matter. Yeah, which was exactly the argument people made against Sam Hinkie when he was in Philadelphia. Like he's just cutting guys. He's just like I don't even want to get into it. I'm a Hinky guy, so anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not the, go there. The I, one person. <laughs> if you ask Mike, I always bring it back to the Sixers somehow. Anyway. <laughs> well, you should. That's your team. Yeah, I guess, but I shouldn't. But and you're also going through a rebuild though too. How do you? It, who's Jerry Colangelo? Listen, let's not even talk about the Sixers this podcast. <laughs> it's not. Oh, We're talking about a Brooklyn Nets preview. It's let's relatable. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Nets. Yeah, Nets. Yeah. New new coach Kenny Atkinson. Um, yeah. So he was he was an assistant coach under Budenholzer last year or since what two thousand thirteen? No, he was with the oh. he was with the Knicks in two thousand twelve. Oh, okay. So he was with the Ro- the Rockets, then the Knicks, and then I believe with the Hawks. Yeah. Um, and I guess we should probably also mention that Sean Marks is coming out of the Spurs. Yeah. So that was pretty much the big draw. So people, I think, are looking at like what are the most successful franchises, and, and everyone plucks from the, oh, plucks Spurs, from the Spurs tree. Yeah, they wanted to keep them too. Everybody is like becoming a pop, yep. guy now. Like you know, even even Atkinson, he didn't he didn't learn under Pop directly, but he's he learned under Budenholzer, who did learn under Pop. So it's yeah. like that. It's the it's the Popovich tree. Well, I can tell you one thing. Uh, someone I know in the Knicks organization was as soon as Atkinson got hired told me that he was jealous <laughs> he was the jealous that the Nets got Atkinson he's like oh that guy's a really good guy really? and that's he's cool. like he's like he will be a really good coach that's good that's so, really good yeah and well that's another thing you know obviously they their biggest pickup this summer was Jeremy Lin who you know for I guess everybody else would be like oh who cares you got Jeremy Lin but the interesting thing is that he worked one on Atkinson when he was on the Knicks worked one-on-one with Jeremy Lin and Atkinson's a point guard so um, you know, was able to re- relate to him very well. And really, people credit him for being able to really bring the best out of Jeremy Lin. For whole, the whole insanity thing. For Linsanity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Linsanity is going to come back. You know that, right? I hope it does. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. It was it really was so fun. fun. If you were living in New York at the time, do you remember how all of a sudden it was like the bar where I worked, you know, out of nowhere, we had a Lin jersey hanging in the window. I know. It's crazy. Like overnight, he just went from being like, nobody ever heard of this kid to like putting up crazy stats. Crazy, crazy stats. stats. We, I don't remember what he was putting up. I think well, he scored 30 points two nights in a row with like 15 tw- assists or something like that. like 26 it's- points for the first... Uh, six or eight games he played, yeah. I think, or the first, well, of the, of the Linsanity period. Right. Um, but he had, I remember the game, I think I was, where one of my neighborhood spots I used to hang out, which is a big basketball place, like mm-hmm. a restaurant slash basketball place. And it was a Laker game, and he scored 38 points on Kobe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Every, oh, like, yeah, and he was like. All the Nick fans lost it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, New York lost its collective mind. It was fun. It was fun. It He's was coming really back. Fun. It's going to be he's... like a Disney movie again, <laughs> except it's going to be in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool. I want to be a fan of the Which Nets. Which would, I do, by the but... way, work really well for Brooke Lopez since he loves all things Disney. I know. Such a goober. <laughs> so I love nerdy. him for it, but he's such he a goober. Old, so nerdy. Uh, I love nerds. Um, yeah. Uh, I think Lynn's going to be fun in New York, back in New York. Although he yeah. had some really weird things to say about it when they asked him. He was like, well, it's going to be less hot than <laughs> than Charlotte. It's like, really? Really? Yeah, That's, who knows? 
I yeah. didn't even I didn't listen to it. He's apparently a really his, weird guy. I don't know. Yeah, I never knew this. His hair is weird. I think his hair speaks for that. Yeah. Maybe. I think, I think I his hair is his hair is a it's coming on its own shuttle. So yeah. It's gonna arrive before him. But I'm actually, you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, um, I, I wasn't real. I mean, I wouldn't say I got like emotional or enthusiastic about Lynn coming here. I was like, okay, that's cool. But I am really excited about the younger players. And, yeah, um, totally agree. And the two younger players who were injured before. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. You know, um, I really about- uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Yes. Um, I was really excited about him because first when he came, just because he's. He does have that charisma you do need in a franchise. You do need a player who's like getting the crowd hyped, getting everybody excited. Yeah. And he he has so much personality. Crazy draft day outfit. Um, I don't even remember. It, it. Was, it was wild. Um, look S- it up. Speaking of speaking of crazy draft day outfits, Harris Levert. Did you? Did I didn't you, see it. Oh my god, it's so good. He dressed right. in the Michigan colors, but the, that it was like blue and and yellow down the sides it was the best freaking outfit i've ever seen i think it was down the sides i don't know it was really cool oh, yeah draft day is another fashion show oh yeah totally it's a total fashion totally. show oh speaking of art and and nba karis levert's uncle uh i think it's eddie levert it was a singer in um the ojs no way yeah and his dad apparently was a graphic designer before he passed away um so he's already got he's already got the art ojs in his that's blood. like a philly connection right are they from philly? philly i don't know i don't even know I don't know. Whatever. Oh, anyway, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm gonna feel so stupid, dude. I do it every single I week. Know. I'm like, let me say some things I that I think I know what I'm talking about, and they're always wrong. They're yeah. always wrong. I should fact check a little bit before I say stuff. It's hard to fact check on the fly. Yeah, but yeah, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson. Excited about that guy. Plays really great defense. Needs to work on his shooting, but um, but you. He was injured for much of last season, so he started to show promise. Had like a double double in a game, and was starting to feel good, and then um, yeah. got uh like um hurt his ankle broke his ankle and then yeah that broke i think he broke it yeah but then uh anyway other the other um player i'm excited about is chris mccullough really i don't know i don't know anything about him well he played at syracuse and he only played 15 games at syracuse but he was supposed to be he was projected anyway to Mm -hmm. be a lottery pick until he got injured there um i can't remember i think tore his meniscus or something i'm not sure um and he still went into the draft. He went into the draft injured. Yeah. And the Nets picked him up and, um, you know, he didn't play for most of last season. So people kind of look at that as like, yeah, they picked him up late in the draft, but he still could be considered a lottery pick if, you know, if his potential, if he pans out, if you he know, pans if out, the right. potential comes through. And he's somebody this summer who's been working a lot in the gym with Atkinson. And so... Anyway, those are the those are the players I'm I'm following right now. What about the uh, point guard they just picked up in the draft too? Oh my god, I just forgot his name. Yeah, me too. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, it's gonna come back to me in like two seconds. I'm be like, why didn't I say that? Anyway, I think the thing that they're doing now. This is why I like Sean Marks. I think he's making like obvious, really good choices. Like this is what you should do when you have no other choice. They have no draft picks. You know, they can't get any free agents to come there. But they're like they traded Thaddeus Young, who I love. But they got Karis Levert, who was injured in the draft and should have gone much higher than he did if he was healthy. He wasn't. So they took they took a gamble on him. This is what you have to do now. Right. And Same thing with McCullough, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think and Atkinson is perfect because he has a reputation of somebody. He played um, – he never played in the NBA. He almost he almost cracked into the NBA, I think, with maybe with Orlando. And because they talk, they have they have stories about him going up against um, – I can't remember who it was, the point some point guard for the Magic – you know, however many years ago, mm-hmm. and that he 
he would wear them out like completely wear them out in practice because he was such a, he was the guy who was you know was never of course never supposed to make it he right. just wasn't didn't have the the build or the athleticism necessarily but he was such a workhorse that he got himself into playing for he played for 20 different teams overseas but i think played for 14 years something like that um and he just has that that tenacity that that he's carried into the, the players that he that he's worked with, I think you know Jeff Teague had a lot of good things to say about him and 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 those guys, and so I think he's perfect because you know if you have like a a Doc Rivers or somebody like that gets this Brooklyn team, it's like ah, oh. like they're yeah. expected to do magic, you know. But I think with Atkinson, it's like he's seen everything in his life as a challenge in terms of basketball that he's like, okay, cool, this is a challenge I can do, and that's the that's the guy you want in there yeah, right totally especially for like i think they're the 10th youngest team now where they're like the average age is just like 25 yeah you definitely want that you want yeah. somebody who's going to bring them I, th- I, I think he's known for for player development right i don't know what kind of system he's going to run but i guess it doesn't really matter um, no he doesn't he doesn't have and, and that's that's what i appreciate too is he he's looking at the talent and saying you know he's right. not coming in with a system he's looking at at who he has and and figuring and developing out it that way and um, trying to figure out how you're going to switch people. And, that, you know, like they talk about, you know, they've had um, Hollis Jefferson playing the two, but he can't shoot. Right. So they're like, why is he playing the two? They had him playing the two all last year. So I think he's his whole thing is going to be trying to switch up positions and see, see what the lineup is going to be. It's going to be interesting. They're not going to be great, but um, when, another thing one of the, the marketing directors said, she was like, yeah, but what's going to be good about this team is that people, you know, the audience always likes to watch a team play hard, right. even if they lose. And I would say that for sure, because there were times when you when I watched the Nets, when it was like Darren Williams, Brooke Lopez, Joe, Joe Johnson, it's just like they're not really trying. They, oh, my God. How many Christmas yeah. days? Oh, there's a Christmas day. I think they lost by 30 points and everybody was booing. Yeah. Just booing, As they like, should have been. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, come on, sh- we're here. Like, yeah. show us you care. And yeah. I, I think that's I think that people can if they see you working as hard as you can, they can get behind that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're talking about the Sixers for the last three years. But anyway, <laughs> Did, was anybody at those Sixers games? Me. Joe? did you Me. How, how full were the stands? Not. They're not full at all. <laughs> <laughs> they look like the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Yeah, how cheap are the tickets? <laughs> really cheap. Yeah, that's really why. cheap. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the tickets are going to be cheap again this year too for the Nets. Oh yeah, but that's going to be great. But I actually think me. they're going to be. I actually think they're going to win in the 30s. I don't think they're going to be quite as bad as people are projecting. I don't think they'll be the worst team in the league. I don't even know if they'll be the you know, like worst three of the league. Yeah, you never know. Who knows? I believe in them. I believe something good is going to happen. Yeah, and then you got to look around the league and think like, well, if they're not going to, if they're not going to be that bad, who's going to be worse? So that maybe they will. <laughs> you never know. I mean, the Sixers are obviously going to be terrible. The Lakers are going to be terrible, but they don't. You know, they're not in the same conference even. But whatever. Right. Anyway, um, things to talk about. Uh, besides that, would be they picked up Scola, right? Did they get Lewis Skull? They did. Luis? And uh, Velasquez, uh, Vasquez. Oh, Vasquez, Grievous right. Vasquez. So he's going to, great. Grievous Vasquez is going to be good on that team. He'll start. Yeah. And then they'll have Lynn, they'll have Vasquez, they'll have Lopez. Mm-hmm. Who's their other starting two? Uh, boy, we have, one person we have not talked about, which we should have, and especially really the Olympics, Boyan Bogdanovich. 
the Cro- oh, from Croatia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe he had the highest. He scored yeah. 33 points. He's like in game. an unrepentant shooter. He's just like, let me shoot the ball. Let me oh, shoot yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah. I saw a game last year that he scored 44 in a game. He actually got them into the playoffs last year against Orlando. Um, that, well, one game, he beat, we, you know, we were one game out of the playoffs and he basically won the game by scoring like 27 points or something in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's a great shooter. His, his defense, I think, is questionable. But again, I think it's all about your coaching and how somebody, you know, puts you, if they put you in the right position and they exploit, you know, what's best about your game. I think that's the most important thing. So, I mean, he clearly shows potential, you know. Yeah. Huge potential. How old is he, do you know? He's young. Um, I th- 25, I th- maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Again, stats I should probably look up before yeah, I start talking about. Who cares? They're all young. <laughs> Listen, you they're know, they're a lot younger than me. We're, we're artists. We just make this shit up on the fly. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, stuff. I think maybe you want to wrap it up, or have any more to talk about? I don't. I. What do you have to talk about? I mean, I've always. I, mean, got I could shit go to talk on about. all day about yeah. whatever, but we're talkers. I have nothing to say about the Nets. That's for sure. That's one of those things that's like, all right, we'll see how this plays out. Yeah. And yeah, everything else about. I think there's nothing I can say about the NBA that hasn't already been said so many times this well, summer. of course. So it's, yeah, let's get into the season. Let me, see, show me what you got, yeah. Kevin Durant. This this kind of, this time of year is also like hard because nothing is happening. Like you really have to search for things that are like of interest. Well, we're a couple weeks away from uh, camp. Camp, I know. I'm <laughs> so looking forward to it. Uh, anyway, but so you can find Steph's website at, what was it again? StephCostelloProject.com. Spell it out. S-T-P-H. C O S T E L L O projects.com. Cool. And it's good stuff on there. <laughs> and you can follow Steph on Twitter. S T E P H R O K 1. Steph Rock. The number one. Yeah. And buy some of her artwork because she's a very talented, Thanks. very talented artist. Yeah. Um, you can reach the show at, um, uh, wait, what is it again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, thanks. It's your show. Uh, uh, you, can, you can reach us at, at on Twitter at SuperFlightPod. You can get in touch with us um, by emailing us at thesuperflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to the website, which is thesuperflightpodcast.com. You can follow on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, and I think a number of other things in Australia. Hi, Australia. Um and <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have some more guests coming up. And these are going to be sporadic while we're on this summer break. But thanks for coming, Steph. And I would love to have you come again oh, and talk more. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, man. Um, anyway, it's good talking to you. Great talking to you, too. All right. Bye. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows more isn't always better. Unless we're talking about full-size vans. These beasts do more than get you from A to B. They have so much space a man can live in it. With shag carpeting, water bed, and a sweet lava lamp, these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home. With quality parts and plenty of Napa know-how, you can keep the original tiny house running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. 
Just as there's more to GEICO than saving you money, GEICO also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the GEICO app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions? More smoky mesquite. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.